Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale is really having to stretch out this hiatus content because there's a more hiatus than ever before. <laughs> I'm Alex. When you look at the calendar and you're like, it's got to be July at this point, but then you're like, wait. No, it's not. It's not even June. Whoa! I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you with another hiatus special of Riverdale After Dark. Since the last time we taped, I got to be honest, I think our podcast is cursed a little bit because we put it out. We thought, hey, you know, there's a little time to kill until July 7th. And then we put it out. And almost immediately after that, they kicked the hiatus on to August 11th. So that's a huge <laughs> bummer. But you know what? We got some great episodes of the podcast here. That's and right. Today, we got a very special guest for you, Nicole Asto, who is the writer of a bunch of awesome <laughs> Riverdale novels, graphic novels, comic book issues, including Ties That Bind that just came out from Archie Comics a couple of weeks ago. Nicole, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, thanks so for much coming for coming out. on. Of Good course. seeing you again. Always love talking about this stuff. Uh, so Ties That Bind is different than the individual comics, I think, if people haven't read it, because it is it is separated into different stories, talking about the core four and other characters who are mixing up with them, but it is an original graphic novel. Uh, the one thing, one of the things that makes it special is it's set in a high school, which we aren't in anymore. <laughs> what was it like being the last person to tackle that time period? 
Oh. Uh, I mean, that's a that's an excellent question. Uh, I much like the question about writing Jason Blossom's first scripted line of dialogue. I didn't realize I was <laughs> going to be the last person to tackle the last <laughs> story when I was doing it, or I would have probably been more self conscious about it. Um, of course, because of the way that publishing works, we were writing the book so far in advance, um, and I was actually working on the fourth chapter, um, just as the lockdown for pandemic started. So, Mm. um, so first of all, that was, that was really trippy because if you've seen, if you've read the book, you know, that that's a little bit apocalyptic. So it was kind of stressful for me to have to write that chapter at a time when the world was feeling somewhat apocalyptic. Um, but also at the time it did not feel, I, I knew there was maybe going to be a time jump, but it hadn't been confirmed and everything was being held really close to the vest. And um, now so much has happened between um, <laughs> between our lives and the world. And uh, personally speaking for myself, I've lost all concept of like the time-space continuum. And then yeah. Riverdale itself has no real fixed space in time, um, just in terms of like <laughs> where they're set in the world. You know, is it the 50s? Is it now? I don't know. Um, but then also, uh, that they did their time jump, but the beginning of the season was the end of last season. So I truly, it feels like someone just like threw a storyboard in the air and let all the scenes land wherever. And that's, that's what my, yeah, that's what my head feels like too. (laughs) So, um, so the actual show doesn't feel that much different from that when it all is running as planned. So exactly. I think uh, So I'm I'm very glad to be able to give fans an opportunity to go back. Um but I did not have any idea at the time that I was writing it that that was going to be the experience and it's been really really trippy. Now that the book's coming out and we're talking about it and promoting it um to to tackle that question. People seem really excited to have another high school story and it's been uh-huh bizarre sort of looking back and thinking about all the things that are different from when we first started pitching it. So this Uh, is set just to give people a a time range. If you, again, if you haven't read the book, it's set during season four, right? When Jughead is going to Stonewall uh, and the, Oh my God, I can't even remember what mystery happened in season four. At this, I mean, it's not even just season four. (laughs) It's the very beginning of season four. It's like before, well, it's not a spoiler anymore, but before Moose has even gone missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It was great to see Moose. A really long time ago. This is like a a safe area. I mean, it just, (laughs) felt so nice to be back there yeah oh the foyer i remember now that that went down in my memory for a second but it was the foyer mystery but how dare you forget that uh mystery that really didn't show up at all at the end of the uh (laughs) whole thing uh, but so, what I was going to say on that yeah, time, oh, sorry, I guess I'm sort of interrupting your Uber question. Uh, but it's all, all good. Um, but what I was going to say is like on the time, the time shifting that you were talking about, um, now that we're out of it, looking back, it actually gives us perspective on this. And it was so nice reading the book to really be like, oh, the feeling is so different of the show now. And you really captured the feeling of what it was like back in the in the Stonewall days. Well, thank you. I mean, um, so I love boarding school mysteries, so I yeah. it was exciting oh, for me. Spot. And when I when I started writing that story, that it was, I guess it was two summers ago that we first started talking about it. And when we were thinking about what the central mystery would be, the first thing I did was Google, you know, the most notorious or scandalous boarding school true crimes. And there are a lot of them, you know, so, not just <laughs> um, so it's, 
it's a shame, or I guess it's not a shame because it gave me a lot to work with in my own memory, in my own imagination. But um, but it's a shame that the show sort of pivoted so far away from that. There, we could have done so much more with that if we wanted to. So yeah, so you've got four interlock stories over the course of here. You got Jughead hanging out with Moose, like we talked about. Uh, you've got towards the end Cheryl and Veronica oh, okay. in sort of a Dawn of the Dead type situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love the team up, which, which I was writing in this office during like the early weeks of lockdown sort of intermittently uh, you know lying down and weeping like in between yeah. <laughs> that's that's the best way to write you have a, you're yeah. surrounded by your muse i mean i wish uh, i could say that i didn't do that when it wasn't a pandemic but <laughs> 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 definitely more excusable under these circumstances Another pairing that you had in the book that is surprisingly poignant right now uh, was Betty and Polly are in one of the stories. And in the show, they're always locking horns constantly. Like they're always fighting with each other. They're never together. Polly is off starring on other shows, usually like in the real world. But in the show, they're never really together. So it was really kind of interesting, particularly given that Polly is missing now in season five to see them together. So from your perspective, what works and what doesn't work about those characters, about Betty and Polly together? Well, I think what works about them is that underneath it all, and and this is probably true of most of the friendships on Riverdale in general, that they love each other, um, no matter how dysfunctional it is. And I have a younger brother, not a sister, and I love him and we're very close and we've written stories and published together and stuff, but I always growing up wanted a sister and I now have two Hmm. daughters and I'm so happy that they get to, I mean, not always, obviously they're young and they're at each other's throats all the time, but I love the idea (laughs) of, of sisters and, you know, sharing clothes and best friends and all the sort of cliches you see on TV. So I I think that they do a good job on the TV show of really showing like how deep their love is for each other, no matter how dysfunctional or toxic things get in Riverdale. Um, and I was, I love a good cult story. I also wrote a novel uh, sort of loosely based on the Manson family years and years ago. Um, and so I was really excited about the farm storyline. And when, um, when Betty and Polly both got out of that again, that was another uh, another storyline that I would have been thrilled to see go even further, the whole like deep programming. So I personally, I was, I don't want to say disappointed because the show really doesn't ever disappoint me because it's just always upping the ante. But if you had given me an entire season of just the aftermath of the farm, I probably would have been totally cool with that. So when I was deciding um, which, uh, what the different storylines for the different characters in the book would be, it was mostly just coming from a selfish motivation. Like, well, what am I interested in thinking about? And I was interested in thinking about like what on earth these sisters would have to say and do with each other after going through something like that. And my thought was like, well, this is probably like things are pretty messed up between them. So let's give them like an opportunity to um, spend some time reconnecting and healing. But oh, no, there's an external force, you know, bringing conflict and then they have to work together. So um, so, yeah, I just really wanted to spend some time with them and watch them work together. And then uh, they, spe- Oh, go ahead. Uh, speaking of spending time together, the uh, Betty Jughead in this comic is just fantastic. Uh, you know, the Pete is with- our resident bughead, by the way. <laughs> we should probably just establish yeah. that right off. But go so ahead. So he's a little. Well, I, I just, you know, <laughs> I, I felt like, uh, you know, it was really nice uh, the kind of moments they had together. If you wanted to kind of talk about like, 
you know, obviously uh, how great that relationship is. Pete's feeling very bad this season. If you could tell him some nice things about Bughead, that would really help a lot. Is that what you're going to get, Pete? (laughs) She wanted to talk about it. Okay. So I love Bughead. And when when I was first to Riverdale, um, the show, I had... This is gross. Inappropriate thoughts about Cole Sprouse. Like he's, I just love. Okay, him. now we're getting into it. I loved the character. I loved like just the way he interpreted Jughead. I, you know, I was yes. really taken by everything the show was doing. Wait, are you saying you as a writer like the character that was very emotional about uh, his writing, and he would like sit at his typewriter all the time? Absolutely, the boy I would have fallen for in high school, oh, and I was nah. very into him. Oh. Um, and I was very into his relationship with Betty. And I have to say, like, I have really soured on Jughead. I try not to speak negatively. I do not bite the hand that feeds me, but this is a safe space. And also, none of this means that I don't like the show, but I am not thrilled with the direction <laughs> that Jughead has gone in. And um, right, right. honestly, this season, like, you know, I, I saw a lot of comments on Twitter and I see that people uh, want to know if they're going to get back together. And I just think that, Betty can do better. He has turned oh. into that guy oh. for creative writing. Was so nice for oh, the beginning part of yes, your answer. Yes. Everything is going so well, he and needs then to uh, take a shower. He needs to yeah. get he it needs, together. He needs right. to clean up. You're right. He's got to earn his way back. There's, there's. He's, you're right. It's got to happen. And I guess like talk. The absolute <laughs> worst of that, like you know, white guy in your writing workshop from college. Also, how is he? Iowa is a graduate program. Like, so yeah. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of issues with what's happening to my drug head and I'm, we've moved on. I'm now, uh, I'm now on to, uh, winter soldier. My fictional crush, my like quiet. guy crush. So mm. yeah, wait, he you started. said he replaced, he replaced your fictional crush because that's for, for real. You're saying yeah. <laughs> crush on the winter soldier. <laughs> Got you. No, he's my new blue-eyed fictional TV. He's like, yeah. okay, there's only room for one like Caucasian. Do you do you ship guy, so. Buckhead, which yeah. is Bucky and <laughs> Jughead? Yeah. No, I, I think I ship me and Bucky. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about the other fourth <laughs> of the book, though. You got another pairing there, which is Archie and Reggie, which I think is another one that is surprisingly underserved on the show in a certain way. But what I loved about what you did in the book, they get trapped in this very, of course, very dangerous escape room in the book. Uh, but what I love about it is it really felt like you kind of split the difference between Reggie on the show, who is great and played by Charles Melton, and Reggie from the comic books. There's this very funny bit that I laughed out loud at where Archie is Archie also... No, no shade, not the smartest tool <laughs> in the shed. But he manages to figure out this puzzle box. And then he's like, well, Reggie, how did you do it? How'd you figure out the code? And there's this one frame that Thomas Patelli, one uh, panel that Thomas Patelli drew of Reggie basically searching up how open puzzle box, which right. made me laugh. So what what <laughs> is that mix there between comic book, Archie comic style, Reggie and Archie, and TV style Reggie and Archie in your mind? I, you know, I, again, you give me so much more credit than I deserve. I hadn't even <laughs> thought about it. I mean, I was thinking like, 
how would I do it? And that's how I would do it. I would Google <laughs> how on earth do you solve this puzzle box? Like straight to Google. There's no other way. Like I don't have the capacity to do that. And and everything in the escape room was me like looking it up on Google, even though my family, not me, the rest of them love that kind of stuff and are so good at it. Um, but I think, again, it's just it's mostly just that I have so much affection for these characters that even when they're behaving badly, you know, that's what I like about them. And that's what's appealing about them. And I have a lot of sympathy for Reggie. And I think there are so many characters and so many over the top plot lines being juggled at any given moment that it's really hard to maintain your focus. But, you know, he was getting hit by his father so that the the things that he does that make him such a villain you know if you stop and think about it it's it's pretty understandable and it's easy it's easier to be sympathetic um and and so I think you know he doesn't mean to be a bad guy and certainly you see that if you spend time in the comics whether they're the Riverdale comics the ones that came before I was writing them or the tv show so the other element, and we touched on this a little bit, but the element that ties everything together is this sort of massive conspiracy in the <laughs> town of Riverdale that feels like at the end there's purposely a little bit of a dangling plot line. There's a question mark in terms of where it's going to go without getting into spoilers where what happens if anybody reads it. But when you're trying to do something like that, when you already have these massive conspiracies how much are you allowed to add into the mythology? How do you walk this line? And I know we've talked about this before, but for anybody listening who hasn't heard these conversations or looked into these things, <laughs> how how much are you able to thread that line between what's happening on the show versus what you're doing in the books slash the comics? Well, I mean, I think there's always room for another dangling plot thread on Riverdale. Yes. Like, the more the merrier. Um, and that's what makes it as crazy and enjoyable as it is. Uh, and I think as long as we're not creating anything that's going to contradict what ends up happening on the show, then it's not a problem. And people, the licensors have given us a lot of latitude. So in my experience as a writer, it's actually easier, not easier, but it's, it's not, it's cleaner to create something separate that can exist on its own parallel track, even if that means opening up new threads, than trying to um, connect to what's happening on the screen, because inevitably they're going to pivot and I'm going to be, you know, I mean, they're rewriting their scripts all the time. And, you know, we when we were working on the earlier books, you know, we would have phone calls with the writers at the beginning of the season and we would get the broad beats of the plots and then we would try to um, just basically work within what they were giving us, not to write to it, because that's just legitimately impossible with the, with the way that the timing works. Um, and like, I know from my own experience, having been an editor of the media tie-in stuff when many years ago, uh, they just changed so much. And specifically, I remember with season three, we were building toward a very specific ending and I was really excited about it. Um, and we, as I said, I didn't, that my books didn't hinge on it at all, but I was very prepared for it emotionally. And then <laughs> um, the final shooting script came to me or I watched the finale. One way or the other, I got to the finale and it was not what I had been told. And it, I don't know if that was because they were trying to throw people off the scent, which is totally valid, or if they just changed because sometimes things change, which we all know from being in you know, a creative industry. 
But I panicked because I had to go back and look at all the comic storylines and all the books and just be sure that I hadn't accidentally written something that contradicted the new end game. So, yeah. so writing something that's going to maybe leave an open question to me is so much safer than writing something that's going to contradict. I mean, we can always then say like, well, you know, if we're lucky enough to get to do more books or more comics, then maybe we'll bring that in. And also if I'm writing little extra plot threads that make me happy, then I can always weave in little Easter eggs for myself later. And if readers catch it, which they often do, then that's fun. And if they don't, then, well, I know it. And it was fun for me. And as a reader uh, and fan of, of the show, like seeing a new world opened up is is way more satisfying. That's the whole point of like continuing into the world. Uh, I don't want to see a story that exists like right sliver next door to the story on the TV show because I already get a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, if I had tried it, everything would have been undone by coronavirus. So I'm very yeah. glad that I didn't. Yeah. Well, what about in the other direction? I mean, I think you're kind of getting towards this anyway, but something that I hear from fans a lot who are interested in getting into the novel, and I always say, yeah, read them. They're great. They expand on things. I mean, I think one of the things that, and just to mention, since we haven't said them out loud, you've wrote, written four of the Riverdale novels in addition to the day before, Get Out of Town, The Maple Murders, and Death of a Cheerleader, and they're all super fun. And I think, like Thank we're you. talking about with Ties That Bind, they provide a lot of the things that people ask about in the shows where it's, hey, why did we get more of this character interaction? <laughs> yeah. Well, you get them in the novels. So I always recommend that. But the question that I always get from fans who are wanting, you know, hesitant for whatever reason is, well, is it going to be undone because of the continuity of the show? So does it go the other way at all? It, uh, not that Jughead would say, <laughs> I was never locked in a library. That never <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> but is it the sort of thing where they're also looking at the novels or the graphic novels in any way and using those to inform the show? I don't know. I mean, it would be incredibly flattering if they were. And I know that they're aware of the comics and the, and the books. Um, I've spoken to people um, at Archie and I've spoken to writers from the show and I know they've seen it, but I also know that they're incredibly busy and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't presume to think that they're spending all their time like pouring through my work thinking like, how can we integrate this? So it would be exciting. Um, but obviously, they're the first stop on the train. Yeah, uh, especially like if there's some sort of gap for the fan base where they need some sort of Riverdale content to fill it up. Uh, I don't know how long that would be or when that would happen or why that would happen, but go ahead. Perhaps <laughs> perhaps a season known for reading, summer, um, mm -hmm. but a great time to uh, get into these books. Yeah, No, I mean, they're all very, very supportive of the books and everyone I've ever been in contact with, whether it be with Archie or Riverdale, has been very forthcoming and accessible. I just, um, I don't know, like, I mean, you can't, they're so busy. How could they possibly be reading all my stuff? So... Well, but I imagine, uh, Justin, maybe this gets to you. Justin works professionally as a line producer, as we all know. <laughs> Don't. I he do doesn't. not do that. But uh, there are script supervisors and there are people that are yes. tasked with continuity. So even if Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa and the writing staff aren't sitting down and pouring through the graphic novels and referencing pages, there still is somebody who probably is doing these things and at least will chime in and say, hey, in the Maple Murders, X happened and then they'll have to make a decision of, yeah, we can move forward or futz that or not, right? I, I, I agree with that. And I would also say if you're a writer on a sort of a high-octane show like Riverdale, like 
any source material you can pull from that might inspire you or push you in a direction that's like, oh, I hadn't considered that, I think would be um, high on the list of things to consume no matter how busy you are writing on the show. Um, Because the way Riverdale works, there's just there's so much churn in the plot and character development that I got to imagine if I was a writer on the show, I would be like, someone has another take on Jughead right now. (laughs) I need it, please. Uh, So I would think a writer who who thinks that way and thinks sort of grand scale about the show, I would imagine would want to consume any sort of content. Um, well, it is all, it does all have to go through the approval process. So yeah. there is obviously someone who signs off on that. And, and it, it does work the other way in that, like we've talked to them specifically about storylines that from the show that have ended up on the cutting room floor. And then we've been able to incorporate that into the book. So that's been, for me, that's really fun too. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, we got a bunch of fan questions and theories, both for you and just generally about season five. What, if anything, do you know about the future of Riverdale comic books, Riverdale novels? I know you've uh, gone on and done a couple of other things. You did some Nancy Drew books, which is very cool. You did a Julie and the Phantoms book, which is awesome as well. Um, but what about Riverdale specifically? We'll have to see. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Mysterious, oh, just the right, I'm, just I'm the right be tone. Mysterious, yes. All right, fair I enough. Mean, I love Riverdale. I will, I will bring you as much Riverdale as I can bring you. That I promise you that. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Well, let's move to some questions then. Uh, we could because we got a bunch of them. This is from Barchi eighteen love. I think this is generally for the show. Will Reggie and Veronica interact in the future? Mm. I do not write the show. <laughs> um, yes. I, yeah. Can't imagine that they will not interact for the rest of the season because it's not that big of a town. Um, and he works for her father, right? He's still, yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. So I, I still probably, but what I, I think what I said on Twitter was that also in the season three comics, there's, um, there's a storyline where she and Reggie are still dating. So if you want to go back and see Cape Fear, but with Veronica and Reggie on a boat, then that's <laughs> awesome. it's there. It's there for you. Uh, well, what about um, you guys? What do you want to see in terms of Reggie and Veronica, if at all? I mean, I think if I may speak to the handle of the person that asked that question, if we get the shifting in the relationships um, where you get a Barchi focus going forward, then you get um, Veronica being heartbroken. I do think I really like uh, the Reggie Veronica, the man Monica relationship. Um, hashtag man I, Monica. Hashtag man <laughs> Monica. Um, I do think that could really be a good place, a good source. And like he now Reggie has this sort of bad boy status closer to her father, um, but still ha- shifting more toward being a good guy, as we've seen in the last few episodes before the hiatus. So I think it's a great, great spot to go. But is I, she she's divorced or she's separating? She's separated, but <laughs> Chadwick has tricked her into staying together through pseudo blackmail. I wouldn't call it like wholehearted a, blackmail, a but light it, it's, blackmail. it's skirt, light. very light, Low key. a light, pleasant summer of blackmail. Mail, yeah, just like a bright aioli of blackmail. Sprinkle. <laughs> well, wait, let me throw something out at you. Uh, uh, this is something we talked about a little bit earlier on the podcast. And uh, a couple of episodes back, Betty and Reggie interacted when they were in the swamp together. Is that a pairing that you want to see, potentially? In the swamp together? Alex. Yeah, Betty was, lo- what? 
Are you talking about the pairing of Betty and Reggie or the pairing of like Reggie and Swamp? I'm talking about Swamps specifically. My question is about Swamps. Betty needs her own Clarice Starling spinoff. Like, I just want, get her back to Quantico and let's just do Silence of the Lambs and give her her a fresh start somewhere else. Yeah. She's too good. You want to see, you're saying you want to see Betty, Glenn, uh, the cat. Just totally <laughs> all the toffee back together. Solving mysteries? I do want to see that. Right? <laughs> they, that's, the, that's cat, the cat solves the mysteries, and Betty's the partner <laughs> to the cat. Betty, the cat's toffee's the new Jughead. <laughs> Pete? No. Nope. Pete? No. What way it? No, just not nothing. No. Okay, just all right. This no. is from Sweet Shonies. Can uh, you let them know how much um, many of us Shoney fans love how they're written with much more depth and insight? A lot. This is, I think, for you, Bacall. Uh, along with such cute domestic coupley moments that the show so often lacks, their dynamic in the novels, especially Death of a Cheerleader, the Poison Pen, is a highlight. Uh, if you and as a follow up, if you would ever write a Shoney centered specific spinoff, because I think fans would definitely love that. Hmm. I would love to. I'm so sad that they're not back together on the show, and I I hope that they find their way back to each other. Although realistically, Tony is obviously has her feet on the ground, and I'm not sure what's going on with Cheryl, and I'm not sure that she's the best influence on Tony given her current mental state. But um, she she worships the wind. <laughs> but again, uh, there is also a season three comic that is just um, the two of them on their summer road trip. So if you're missing them and you want to spend some time in a story that's just theirs, you can go check that one out. Yeah. Uh, this next one is from Phallus, I L Y S M. And the question is what do you think of Phallus? <laughs> Could you imagine if we answered somebody who has the uh, Twitter name Phallus, I love you so much, and we we're like, eh, not into them. Yeah. Who? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think of Phallus? What's your take on Phallus, McCall? I like them, but didn't they? He left, right? Or mm-hmm. the one? Sure did. Yeah, they broke. I was sad that they had to break up. I like them as a couple. I think no one can stay happy for very long on Riverdale. It's it's unfortunate. They are the couple that really like they had all the separation, but they got back together in a way that was like, oh, this is happening and good and uh, you don't have to worry about it until, of course, he's like, I got to take my daughter out of this town because (laughs) she killed a bunch of people almost. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of natural chemistry. They definitely they they have a really organic vibe together, I would say, like when you see them together, it does not feel forced at all. You totally believe it. um, And they seem to really care about each other. So it is unfortunate especially for two characters that when they're separate on the show i'm like what what are <laughs> yeah. you saying what are you doing what both you of them yeah. fp i'm like yeah. what are you doing you're not yeah. that and yeah. alice is like i'm an absolute lunatic except for i love this man right. i'm sometimes delivering the news i'm sometimes yeah. uh, helping a kidney leave this little kid's body <laughs> uh, i'll tell you just to completely buy into the phallus i love you so much uh they are I don't really like to play Endgame, you know, what couples are going to be Endgame or anything like that, because who knows? The show changes every single episode. Whatever you call Endgame is going to be different by the time the Riverdale logo hits. But just based on the actual story of the show, Phallus is the one couple that whenever they announce the finale for Riverdale, if they do not figure out a way to get Skeet Ulrich back for that, 
riding up on a motorcycle, throwing out his gum again <laughs> and being like, come on, Alice, hop on. And they'd ride off into the sunset. I'm going to be bad. Honestly. I forgot about the gum. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. <laughs> I forgot about Whether they write that scene or not, Skeet's going to show up on set on that motorcycle. Yeah. yeah they just That's... won't film it. He'll show up, yeah, yeah, pick up there. Nate Jabek, drive What's off. my call time? I've been fired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is from Darkwing J. I think you answered this one, but any future Riverdale novels in the future, I would like to see some books about the parents' home lives inspired by the Midnight Club and in between the seven Mm -hmm. years. Just speculating. What do you think about those ideas? I mean, could you ever see a Midnight Club era book uh, or one set in the seven years of the time job? I would definitely love to write a story about the adults as teenagers. Um, yeah, I think a midnight club era or, you know, immediately thereafter sort of thing, them in high school would be really interesting to write. And I, um, I definitely have thoughts about stories that would fill in the gap between, uh, you know, obviously the time after they left high school to now. And as you know, I'm totally fascinated by the Clarice Starling Betty thing. And I would, I would be so in to write that, and I've made myself very clear to everyone at Archie about this. So. I mean, four standalone uh, books almost that uh, culminate following each of the the core four in their sort of separate lives. I think is Jughead in New York. There's a ton of sad stuff you could have happen to him. Mm. Yeah, I also want to see them release Jughead's novels. It's not called The Outsiders. What is it? The Outskirts or something like that. Oh, I just have I, it be a find and replace for the outsiders, but <laughs> different but with, names. But with different names, yeah. Oh, I love the part where he's like, Scribner wants your pages. <laughs> like everything to do with his editor is amazing too. Oh, so that funny. that guy. Ah, hey, here I am in New York City. Hot dog. <laughs> got got hot my dog, pigeon. Got a slice of pizza. <laughs> I'm on top of the Empire State Building here. He's like writing Hillbilly Elegy, but he's under contract for fiction. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly how that works. That is definitely how book publishing works, but okay. Well, let's to that point, this was a question somebody hit me up on a Tumblr about. Uh, they were specifically wondering what was next for Jughead. I think they thought you were a writer of the show, not I mean, alcoholism, novel. I think. But. Yeah, very close well, to that. What do you want to see? I mean, given that you're not totally happy with Jughead's <laughs> storyline here, how do you want to see this turn out over the rest of the season? I mean, I, as a human being, would like to see like a dose of humility, but um, on the show... <laughs> I'm so curious to see what happens. Like I, my, what I love about Riverdale is the idea that it sort of skates around supernatural elements. And then inevitably there's always a realist, I mean, realistic, but a non, (laughs) a non paranormal explanation. Um, because I do also really love horror and, and paranormal. So it's always sort of like, Oh, they almost made it a monster, but it's not a monster. It's something, you know, real. So I'm very curious to see what happens with that. Um, and, I don't know. I mean, I, what would I like to see? I would like to see that story. I would love to see that storyline actually be about aliens, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. He did, he did eat the maple alien though. 100% definitely. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. No, instead it's rooted in reality where there's an alien in maple syrup. <laughs> yes, a realistic storyline. Uh, this is another one for you from Jackie underscore Boyd. Uh, which, uh, this is going to be an impossible question, I think. Which book that you've written is your favorite and why? Mm. Huh. 
Um, Choose your child. Choose your favorite <laughs> child. Which is my favorite. Let's see. Um, the first one was a lot of fun to write because we were launching something new and the idea of a prequel and all the threads leading up to this this moment on the show that had so much resonance and just like the beginning of everything was very meaningful to me. I really loved that pilot. I think it's one of the best pilots, you know, I've seen in terms of just execution technically yeah. and emotion and aesthetics. So being able to sort of write a story that deposits you right up until the, you know, the moment of that pilot was, was really fun for me. Um, Get Out of Town, I loved writing because I have lots of little Cabin in the Woods Easter eggs, and it was just sort of like a scary Cabin in the Woods thriller for me to write. Uh, Death of a Cheerleader was really fun because people are running through the woods at a sleepaway camp, like shooting arrows at each other. And that was, <laughs> again, it was another like horror story that um, that sort of was the kind of thing I would have read when I was a teenager. Uh, but I also loved Maple Murders because the premise of just a body in a maple barrel and to your, which is in the first chapter. So it's not like I'm spoiling anything. That's the premise. Um, but to your question earlier about um, the back and forth between the writers, that body in the maple barrel was uh, a, a plot line that hadn't come into the TV show that we talked to them about. And then we incorporated it into that story. And then uh, I believe that there's a maple barrel thing. Is it the alien that's in the mm -hmm. maple barrel? Yeah, so, yeah. It, so it reared its head again in this, um, in this season. And my editor and I were, you know, we're very professional. So we were like texting as we were watching the episode <laughs> and we were like, Oh, it's the same thing as our book, you know, and Nana Rose being all spooky throughout that entire book, just popping up and telling everyone about how crazy the town used to be as though it's less crazy now. And, of course, she's doing the same thing on the show. So um, so that was kind of validating, too. So I don't I really don't have a favorite. Honestly, they're all they're all fun in different ways because I write things that I think are fun to write about. Good answer. I like <laughs> Good it. answer. Uh, we got a bunch here that I'm going to throw out rapid fire. This is from the one one eight one zero 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 four. Look it up. <laughs> Who do you think is worthy of dating Queen Tabitha, Reggie, Sweet Pea, Eric, or Minerva? If McCall could write a book about any side character only, who would it be? Sweet Pea, Polly, etc. And can her next graphic novel be about Katie Keene characters? So Ooh. lots of stuff there. Let's start with the last one. At this point, given that Katie Keene is canceled, I'm going to bet there isn't a lot of call for a graphic <laughs> novel about it, unfortunately. Uh I I mean, if someone wanted me to write a Katie Keene graphic novel, I would very enthusiastically do it. But also there is a different author who wrote the Katie Keene novels for Scholastic, and I would say that she is probably better suited for it. And mm -hmm. so, um, but that being said, let's see, the side characters that I would want to write. Oh, Polly. I would do, I would do the Polly Lonely Highway story. I mean, assuming that it was fair game and that I was allowed to sort of go off in whatever direction I want, I would do some kind of like the Hitcher story. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Uh, and then just generally speaking, this is for everybody. Who do you think is worthy of dating Queen Tabitha? And the ideas thrown out are Reggie, Sweet Pea, Eric, or Minerva. Obviously, there's a couple of more options there, but who do you want to see Tabitha with, if anybody at this point? Does it have to be those guys? No. Let's open no. it up to anybody on the show. I mean, <laughs> I honestly 
Tony, I guess. <laughs> like she's mm-hmm. she's the she's the best catch, I think, on Riverdale right now. And Maybe they got Veronica. the whole upstairs downstairs thing going on, so it'd be right. easy to date. <laughs> uh, is this just my saying wife's that... upstairs right now? It's very easy for us to date. <laughs> right, and you do all the cooking and cleaning for her. She's royalty. Yeah, in I'm at a bar right now. She's upstairs at a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, love, Justin, what a who do you want to see tab at the date? Are we discounting Jughead completely here? What's happening? Well, Let, let's actually, no, yeah, I am, but no, you don't have to. Don't uh, have to. I, I feel uh, like that's the easy choice. Let's like obviously Jughead, but well, second, that feels like I, has she interacted with any of those other characters? <laughs> she was in the football stands with Reggie and Veronica, and maybe somebody else was there. Probably Kevin, I'm guessing. I mean, I do think I think that story is going in that direction. It feels yeah. like um, I feels like that's where it's going to be. She not that she's replacing Betty, but she does seem like a partner for him in his pursuit of uh, this alien stuff. The maple alien. The maple alien. I do think she is going to help him, uh, despite the fact that she just gave him a bunch of psychedelics and then were like, <laughs> later, check on you some other time. Don't cut your arm off. Um, I do think that she do, does want to help him. And he, uh, as we've talked about today, needs help. Yes. Pete, what about you? Who do you want to see Tabitha date? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if we've met them yet. Uh, I hope we get a new interesting character for her. Uh, but if Reggie somehow like completely gets his shit together, then maybe. <laughs> All right. There we go. There you go. Uh, and we got one last question here. This is from Mimi that lived Wilsh. And again, a general bunch of show stuff. Will Shoney reunite? Are Barchi a thing? Will someone kill Hiram? Will Betty get the right medication to cure her anxiety? Will Jughead stop talking shit and get laid? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think I speak for all of us when I say yes, yes, no, no, yes. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. All right. That's it for our, no, uh, no. Well, what do you guess? <laughs> First of all, will Shoney reunite? I, I'm going to say yes by the end I of the season. So. I think so. 100%. 100%. Great. All in agreement. So first one was yes. You're correct. Uh, are Barchi a thing? Nicole, where do you fall yes. on Barchi? I... And Justin liked, is our resident Barchi, by the way. Just to is contend. it obvious? <laughs> I liked them a lot when they got together. I have to say, I for whatever reason, because it's just I guess because it's been such a weird year, I didn't see it coming. Like this is this is the first time in a while that I wasn't like super primed with all advanced insider knowledge. And when I sat down to watch it like a regular person, and they got together, I was genuinely stunned and I was so into it I and I didn't see that coming yes. so um so maybe yeah I mean I could be into it but I also don't have that deep abiding sense that they need to be together that clearly so many of the fans do yes um including this fan right here yes. I just think they they set up so much and then abruptly halted it Right. I right. don't think they're going they to not they revisit. Were, you know, just gonna be friends, and it was weird for a little bit. Mm, yes, but yeah, are it's you not paying? a strong ship like Tabitha and a person she hasn't met. Yet. <laughs> 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 her whole life out of her. <laughs> yeah, I just think they're in. A, everything feels separated now. There will be some sort of reconnecting. Um, and in the, and I mean in the shower, and I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, we know what you mean. What about will someone kill Hiram? Please. 
So this was my first no. Uh, he is the uber unstoppable villain. He keeps changing forms slightly, but he uh, he will live on. He's only getting stronger and somehow more jacked. Hmm. Well, let me throw this out to you then. This is something uh, very speculative, very rumory, but there were a bunch of photos posted the other day uh, from set by some of the actors. And just for context, as far as we know, I think they're filming towards the end of the season, maybe even the last episode at this point, um, or second to last episode. And Madeline Petch, Drew Ray Tanner, KJ Appa, and... Uh, Oh my god! I think it was Charles Melton. We're all in black suits or black oh. dresses, so people certainly felt like okay, there's some sort of funeral going on. So, assuming there is a funeral, and the caveat being that we haven't seen nine of these episodes, so who <laughs> knows what could happen? Who do you think is potentially on the chopping block for the season? It's going to be uh, a hot dog. It's going to be something really disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I would be yeah. so sad if a dog died, but but you know. Yeah, I think the maple alien makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. They're finally putting it to rest. I, I mean, maybe Polly, yeah, I was right? Say Polly, yeah. Would they do that though? I mean, my my yeah. thought about Polly, the popular theories, by the way. Some people are like Hiram, which is why I bring this up, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, but then they threw out Eric Jackson, who is Archie's army buddy, which I think would army be buddy. very sad. Chadwick, <laughs> yeah, that it's feels a very unfortunate end for that character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Polly, but it almost feels like the amount of times in the season that they've told us Polly, yep, one hundred percent dead, right. and then they find a small piece of Polly somewhere, or Polly calls or whatever, where it feels like if Polly does actually turn up dead. It's almost disappointing in a way at the end of the season because they've already fainted us so many times. Uh, I may I, I hear you on that, Alex, but I do think she's going to come back. And and then I, I would say Polly is the one I think she'll come back. But I think then she's going to go back out into this sort of dark world that she's embraced here and end up end up dead. Pete, I think if Hiram. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Go if you were no, going to die, go ahead, uh, it would be. It would be a series finale kind of thing. Mm -hmm. that, that's, but I also am not speaking from any place of knowledge. It just seems like, a, like you said, he's the uber villain. So it does not seem like something they would do as a season finale. It would be much more final. Yeah. Pete, do you have any guesses there? Yeah, I, I would say it could be Polly. Also, it would be funny if it was just like a quick cutaway. Like, hey, Veronica, how was your summer? And she was like, Chadwick died. And then <laughs> everybody in black suits and then back. And then you're like, okay, next thing. 30 Rock and, style. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Alex, if I can answer for you, obviously, Toffee, the cat. He's oh, man. That's going to be so sad. They're going to need at least two episodes to deal yeah, with the emotional that, fallout. That little, that little briefcase that you keep describing. Toffee, Justin, Toffee eats human yeah. blood off of heads. Toffee is going to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> Toffee the vampire cat. <laughs> Before we wrap up here, Nicole, uh, two things. One, just uh, we've touched on this a little bit, but just general impressions about season five. How are you feeling about this post time jump versus pre time jump where the ties that bind and other things are set? I am really enjoying the time jump. I was not sure what to expect, and there had been so much chaos surrounding just the rumors of what was going to happen and when it was going to happen and how it was going to be handled, and people had such strong opinions that I sort of tried to disassociate from it completely and not pay any attention. Um, and so I was, as I said, I watched it like totally cold, you know, um, 
And I think, I think, first of all, it's really given them a chance to reset in a really fresh way. And then I also think the cognitive dissonance between the actors' ages and the characters' ages has finally been addressed. Um, and the things that the characters do that are so mature, I was going to say sophisticated, and that's not quite the right word, but so out of sync with the way that high schoolers behave is somehow less bananas. I mean, it's still cuckoo because it's Riverdale, but it all, it all makes a little bit more sense, even though it still doesn't make sense now that they're older. So I've been, I've been interested in that. And like I said, I've, I like the, um, the new archetypes that have been introduced, um, and the new sort of genre elements that have been introduced with the time jump. So I'm very enthusiastic about it. Very cool. And what else do you want to plug? We've talked about the Riverdale novels. We've talked about the Riverdale books. Is there anything else you want to mention that people should check out from you? So I have a project coming out next fall that I'm really, really excited about that I worked on like a mad woman all winter and it still hasn't been announced. So I can't say more, but mm. I will, you'll be the first person I tell and then we can talk about it because I think you'll like excited. it too. So That's awesome. Ooh, yeah. That sounds awesome. Right. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, everybody should definitely check out Riverdale, The Ties That Bind. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you haven't read them, go read them all. You have time to kill. <laughs> Some books. And we are definitely going to keep trying to put out hiatus special episodes as we get towards ugh, August 11th at this point. <laughs> Hopefully this podcast doesn't come out and then they're like, surprise, it's September 17th now. Uh, Alex, don't put out that energy yeah, in the world. Now. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. They're going to move thanks. it up. They're going to be so excited. They'll be like, you know what? It's on now. All episodes. Yeah. Turn on your TVs. <laughs> they're just playing simultaneously. Put on, on the Riverdale streets. channel. For all of you, if you want to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show. On Twitter, Riverdale Dark. On Instagram, Riverdale After. On Facebook, Facebook, excuse me, Ooh, Facebook. Facebook. The future of Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, Riverdale After Dark, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. <laughs> Me